This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Let's take a second to thank today's sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is by far the absolute easiest way to make a podcast. And when I say easy, I mean easy. First of all, it's completely free and there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit right from your phone or your computer. Best of all, with Anchor, you can add any songs from Spotify directly to your episodes. So the possibilities are endless on what you can create. Whether you want to create a music analysis, your own radio show, a deep dive on your favorite genre or artist, or something that the world's never heard before. Anchor will even help publish your show to Spotify so you can reach hundreds of millions of listeners. Oh, did I mention there's no copyright on the songs? Yeah, it's that easy. You guys want to start a podcast that includes music, or you guys just want to start a podcast in general, get started by downloading the free Anchor app or going to anchor.fm. And if you need some inspiration, you can head over to blog.anchor.fm slash music from some more idea starters. Thank you so much, and let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Real Real Podcast with Natalie Barbu. Instagram might be your highlight reel, but we're here to talk about the real real. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. In today's episode, I am interviewing Chelsea Lepkin. Chelsea is a director and cinematographer in New York City. So Chelsea and I recorded this a few months ago, but we talk all about finding a passion for film in college, landing your dream job after two years of rejection. This is this was not an easy journey for her, and also never giving up on your dreams. She also works for Delish, so a lot of you guys probably know what Delish is. You guys probably see it shared all over Facebook, on your Instagram. They just make the cutest little recipe videos, and I'm a huge fan of Delish, so I was so excited to have her on and to talk all about that, Um, but we just talk about how she continues to work on her craft even in quarantine because obviously being in video, you can look at it two ways. It's easy because you can create content in your home, but it's difficult when you're used to kind of being on set and having a crew with you, so I think it's a really interesting discussion on how she's kind of transitioned into quarantine and how her work is now um, being able to be done in quarantine, whereas before it was like a big production set, you know? So this episode's gonna be great. Some of you guys probably already know her just from being on the Delish videos. Uh, I'm really excited to share her journey. We had such a great conversation and she's just so nice. Like, I can't wait till this quarantine is over where we can meet up and hang out in the city because she's definitely one of those people that you just feel very comfortable talking to. She makes you feel like you've known her for so long. It was just such an amazing conversation and I did record this a long time ago, but as I've said in previous episodes, I've had so many episodes pre-recorded, so I'm kind of getting to all of them now, but I love that you guys have been loving the podcast, so thank you guys so much. Thank you for all of the wonderful reviews. I did always want to shout out the reviewer of the week, so I just thank you guys for reviewing my podcast. It means so much to me because it's something that you guys take time out of your day to do, so thank you guys for doing that. But this one says, I love Natalie's perspective on things and how open-minded she is when talking to her guests. I seriously look up to Natalie and think this podcast is very real, interesting, and entertaining. So thank you so much. I've also gotten told that I allow the guests to speak a lot and I'm not like constantly interrupting them. And that's something that I've been working on for a really long time is just not perfecting, but you know, practicing how to interview because it's something I feel like I'm not a natural at like interviewing and it's something I really have to work on. So your feedback and your reviews, your positive reviews mean a lot to me because it kind of means that 
I'm doing an okay job, so thank you guys. Um, if you guys did like this episode, be sure to give it five stars on iTunes. That really helps out my podcast. But I want to get into this episode. It was so good, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today, as it should, with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heirs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces inner pair split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Hi, Chelsea. Thanks so much for coming on my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. I was telling you before, but I've never had anyone in the film industry and your resume is so impressive. So I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Oh my gosh, my heart. (laughs) (laughs) 
the first thing that we're going to do is just get started to setting the record straight. So this is just assumptions, stereotypes, and then you'll tell me if they're true or false. So the first one is networking is important in the media industry. True. Absolutely. I think you totally need that to get out there because no one else is, no one's going to find you unless you put feelers out. Right. Right. And I feel like when you make connections, you never know where that leads you. You know, like every, I feel like so many people in the media industry are all like interconnected and they can. Oh, yeah. Help. We yeah. all know each other. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's part of it. But I think that when it comes down to it, you know, a willingness to just kind of hop on a train, get to the city, you know, take that first little step and, and putting yourself out there is scary, but it's necessary. Right. Right. And the next one is you have to be in a big city to make it in the film industry. Ooh. Oh, uh, no, I'm going to say no, because at least in filmmaking, if you're a filmmaker, I like to think that you're a storyteller. And if you're a storyteller, then your stories come from all over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like now with the internet, you can kind of put your stuff out there without necessarily being in a big city. But it's kind of like you said, like that willingness of just being able to go to a city if you need to make meet someone is important too. Absolutely. Like just, or even, I, I don't know how it works now, but I feel like now like you can jump on a Zoom call or something like that if you really need to talk to someone. Oh yeah. I mean, the media landscape has changed so much even from the time that I started, you know, getting onto little sets and, and, you know, just trying to make myself, I guess, as available as possible. I think that people are now able to just see each other at all the times. It's not just, oh, you're going to get a random text message or a phone call or some, you know, it, it's a definitely, it's definitely changed. Yeah. Yeah. And the next one is you should go to film school to be a filmographer. No, <laughs> I'm going to say no, because um, I mean, sure, you can go, you can go to film school and, you know, get into directing or writing or cinematography, but I genuinely think that if you want to make something, you know, the tools are widely available now. Mm -hmm. And for me, like I went to art school. I didn't, I didn't study film. I right. mean, picked up a DSLR once, um, <laughs> once or twice. Yeah. And it was really just you know, kind of experimenting on my own um, right. after college that I really fell into this kind of, you know, creative producer role. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like now, I mean, you literally can learn everything on the internet. Absolutely. Like you can really teach yourself everything. Yeah. And like you were saying, being a storyteller, I feel like it's not something that's really taught as much. It's more like who you are. I couldn't agree more. I really yeah. couldn't. And yeah. I, and I think if anything, you know, some people get intimidated by all the, all the technical know-how, but I feel like for the most part, you know, people are really willing to help you. I mean, it, it's not the same as say, you know, with photography, while some photo shoots may have like a full team and it's very much a group sport, it's still mm -hmm. like one person essentially calling the shots, but right. in film, you know, it's such a group effort. I mean, filmmaking just isn't fun on your own. So when you kind of lean into it and you work with other people, it just becomes this kind of family sport. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and now just tell us a little more about you and your background. So like where do you go to school, what you studied and kind of how did you get to the place you are today? 
how did I get here? <laughs> we'll, we'll break it down. Just first say like the yeah. background, like your school, what yeah. your major was. Cool. Um, my school, so I went to college. I went to uh, Carnegie Mellon University. I went for fine arts. I studied illustrating and painting and I found that I just wasn't very good at it. <laughs> um, and then I kind of dabbled with some cameras, some editing, you know, again, nothing major because I didn't really have access to maybe all the things that somebody would in a film school, but I did have the drama program. And the drama program there was, I, th I think it is one of the best in the country. So I just started asking people to be in my videos and or into my little short films. And then I was just like, oh yeah, no, I can do this. I think I can do this. Maybe I can do this. <laughs> and um, were you just doing short films for fun in school? Uh, in college, I was sort of doing like more like experimental work. And then it wasn't until my like my senior thesis, I made a short film. It was the first thing I really wrote. I took one screenwriting course that changed my life. and. Um, and that was like my first dabble into, again, storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, and then once I graduated, I did a Kickstarter for another short project, which starred um, Victoria Pedretti from Haunting at Hill House and you. I don't know if you watch those shows. Uh, I've seen you. Yeah. She's fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I think it was a, a sort of, again, that willingness to put yourself out there and kind of not wait for somebody to give you an opportunity. I was sort of like, well, I got to make this myself. So right. that's what I did. How did you find like the actors to be in it? Is it just like they were all willing to do it because they liked, like they were already in like the drama club or like in the drama school? In the uh, Well, uh, persuasion. <laughs> persuasion. <laughs> um, I, I was really sort of like, hey, you know, there's a lot of theater would you like to try and be in front of the camera? I, I, was, I did a little bit of theater in high school. So it wasn't like it was my first time working with actors. Mm -hmm. um, I think I can be charming. Thanks, mom. <laughs> and so I, I was just sort of like, hey, here's the story. If you like it, come hang out. We're going to shoot this in a weekend and yeah. you know, maybe put it together. And for the most part, people were really down. I think my later projects, that, that became a little bit harder because you know once you're not in the network of a school right like everybody's right. you know telling they're they're working on projects together suddenly you actually have to rely on the industry in a larger city and how do you access that so that was a different leap but i think on a small scale i learned how to do that in a college setting yeah yeah and was so was college the first time you ever like dabbled into the short films picking up a camera and actually like filming stuff or did you do that when you were younger as well? No, I, I, I really, the first time I dabbled with it was in college. I, I couldn't have told you that I was going to end up doing this. Um, That's crazy. I, but I got serious about it after college, um, specifically going the cinematographer route. So again, a camera in my hand and learning how to, how to light things. Um, I learned that I, I was good at, I guess just like capturing things because um, my partner he um, runs media at a at a raceway for like for drifting. I don't know if you know what drifting is. Think Tokyo Drift. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, but so I was I was on racetracks shooting action sports, 
And I was learning how to just like run and gun and do this and find the, the shots that I needed. Um, and that actually led to, I think, you know, that led to a job at MTV eventually. So that worked out. <laughs> That's crazy. So how did you meet someone while you were doing that, that worked at MTV? Or was that like kind of the experience that you needed to get that job? A little bit A, a little bit of B. So again, we talk about like, you know, putting feelers out there, asking for help, maybe. It's like, right. let's be serious. There's also not a lot of, um, may, I think there's more now, but at the time I didn't feel like I had any female role models that were, you know, producers or people who were shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I must have put out 20 resume cold emails to production companies a day for like two years and I still nothing bit. And it was just really depressing. I almost quit. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm doing this. <laughs> I'm doing this. And um, my partner had mentioned that I was looking for work in this industry. And he mentioned somebody, something to someone who then reached out to someone else who knew somebody at MTV. Then I got my foot in the door. And then I had an interview. They saw some of my work. And they were like, hey, welcome. Hi. <laughs> We like you. Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like people don't talk about that often. Those like two years that you had where you were just sending out resumes, applying for jobs. Cause now it's like, oh my God, you're so successful. You have all of these names under your belt, but it's like those two years, a lot of people, I feel like when they're in those waiting years, it's like, they do feel like giving up kind of like you did. Yeah. Um, I, I wish that people talked about it more, honestly. I feel like there's too many especially with social media, you know, you talk about how you put yourself out there and that this is the picture that I want to show you. These are my curated images and videos and tweets and whatever. Um, when I, when I graduated, I felt like there was so many people who were just straight up either in tech and successful. And I'm like, how, why did I do this fine art degree? Like, what am I going to do with this? I had a lot of college, you know, loans that I needed to deal with and no one to help me. And it was scary. You know, you're living from, you know, production assistant job to production assistant job, which doesn't really pay that much. It's pretty thankless, even though they're the reason why a film set runs smoothly, you know, right. God bless production assistants. (laughs) Um, But they were like 12, 14 hour days and half my paycheck went to the train ticket. It took me to get from Pennsylvania to New York. And that was so hard. Yeah. And I, I thankfully, like I had, you know, some people, um, like my partner, Kevin, like he, he helped me out, you know, and, and it was just kind of like, you know, if I didn't have just a few little boosts, mm-hmm. I don't know if I could have gotten here. Right. That's the truth. Like the two years out of college, they suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you are talking about it just because it looks like it's overnight successes, you know? It's like only when, I feel like even with like acting, for example, when someone finally gets that like big role, it's like, oh my God, this big role made her an overnight success. When it's like, they were probably working for like five years before yeah. then with literally no jobs at all. And now they finally got one. <laughs> and it's and it's so, and it's funny that you say it like that. Cause you know, there are people, right? Like there are people that like instantly, like somebody finds them, you know, I feel like, an opportunity, if an opportunity comes around and you're prepared, it looks like luck, but it's right. really because you were prepared for that job that came your way. Right. Um, but it's a, 
it's not a race, it's a marathon. Like there might be somebody who isn't successful until they're in their 60s. I mean, and that's okay too. It's just, right. it's hard, right. especially now because I feel like media has become such a, you know, a part of our existence now as, as just in a human interaction that we feel mm-hmm. like, well, we have to be on all the time. Right. When you were um, like, without get like not having any jobs were you still working on your own like short films and doing your own work on the side always yeah <laughs> um i i think probably one of the other things that i don't know if anybody else talks about enough but when you're a creator and you're not creating don't you just get the most depressed ever mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> so yeah it's true it's so depressing so like i really tried to make as many things as I could. And, and some people helped me out. They lent me cameras or lights. So it was a bare bones crew. Um, and even, even the short films that I had done in the past couple of years, I mean, those were projects that they were, they were people I was working with in the industry that I had hired for other gigs. And, you know, we're just paying it forward because we just want to be working on cool stuff. Right. Right. And I feel like you've done it all. Like you've been director, writer, cinematographer, producer. (laughs) What's your favorite role that you've done? Or like, what's your favorite, like, I guess role is the right word, job description that you got, that you've done? Um, I love, I'm definitely in my element on set directing. I think that's like the number one. Um, I know we haven't touched on it, but um, I'm a senior programmer at Short of the Week. And that's like a big, you know, film curation site. Um, for established filmmakers, for people who are up and comers. And part of my job is, you know, if, if they ask for it, they can get feedback. So I've kind of become this sort of teacher in a, in a way, like the more that I tell you, like maybe why you didn't get in, mm-hmm. the more I'm learning and I'm soaking it up. And then I'm applying that to my films and then right. I'm directing. So I feel like in a weird way, those two roles of directing and programmer, at least the feedback side, I feel like I'm the most, my true self, very much like, oh, this is like the director moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Have you been in front of the camera? Have you acted in your own stuff? I've never acted in my own stuff. I've been an extra in my own stuff if need be. (laughs) I've like done a walk by. Um, I'm in like the first shot of Lucy's Tale, which is on YouTube. And I... I mean, I, you know, it's my, that's like my Hitchcock moment. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I did theater, but no, I have, I've never really been in front of the camera as another character, but I've definitely mm-hmm. like been myself in random delish videos because, yeah. <laughs> because that's, that's what we do. <laughs> right. I want to talk about delish too, cause it's such a huge, huge like platform. I feel like, or how did that happen? Like, how did you get that job? How did that come to you? Or how did you apply how, for it? How do I get to literally have the two best things of filming and eating my way through life? Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I, I was really kind of, it's, it's a little serendipitous. Um, I had been working at MTV and I wasn't anymore. And in like the two months that I wasn't, uh, Hearst was revamping this food site called Delish and they were building a team and I was plucked off the internet to work with six incredible people and they said hey can you uh 
can you like make videos for us? And I'm like, sure, I got nothing yeah. going on right now. What am I gonna do? Um, and and it kind of just, you know, I, I suddenly realized I was really good at it. And one of my favorite things about Delish is, is the talent doesn't talk back and you can eat it when yeah. you're done. <laughs> I know that must be great. So it's, are you the one, are you the one making the food or are you just like setting up the camera and like, um, I'm very much the one who's setting up the camera and shooting it and lighting it. Um, I also uh, produce on um, Iconic Eats and Julia Tries, and these are other little shows uh, that, that we love. But yeah, I'm not a big cook myself. Mm -hmm. Which is I'm so actually, funny. Have you learned? <laughs> have you learned since working there? <laughs> I've learned, I've surprised myself, really. Like there was one Thanksgiving that my dad had bought like a giant turkey and he like, he, you know, he cooked it, but then he was just like, how do I carve this thing? I was like, I shot a video yeah. for that. <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> um, so like little things, I'm just like, oh, wow. Yeah. Pat yourself on the back there. Um, but occasionally like I'll make an appearance. There's a, there's a video that's coming out. I think to, well, today, I don't know when this, when this, podcast will come out, but, mm -hmm. um, it was a cooking challenge and it was, uh, delish stars, uh, Tess and Julia and June. And then I'm, I'm in it too, making That's fun. cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> I need it's, to watch that. I love cheesecake. So maybe I'll get some inspiration. <laughs> so time consuming and baking yeah. is so messy. I know. Like, I don't bake. I don't really cook. I don't bake. So I watch those videos and I'm like, oh, that's, that looks so good. And I'll like try remaking them sometimes. And it's always so much harder <laughs> than it looks when you have like a tiny little New York kitchen. I don't have all the right, like, absolutely. Like, utensils and <laughs> yeah no it's like and like and how do I and how do I do this just right and how do I not burn it and like what right. is this you know but I mean I think it's it's fun it's just that I'm so spoiled that like I don't feel like I need to cook anymore because yeah seriously I'm, you know um and I you know now that we've been in you know self-isolation um uh, my partner has been helping me shoot some stuff so he's the hands and then I'm shooting it Cause he's great at cooking. Like That's I've been awesome. A, like again, like I'm just spoiled rotten. <laughs> <laughs> Homemade bread. We got ramen. You know. Wow, I'm so no. jealous. I only make basically like breakfast food. I, I can make like a good scrambled egg or like a fried egg. <laughs> that actually is something that they say. Like if it that you can judge a chef by how good that they make eggs because it's wow. a serious skill. So if you make really good eggs, and that means that you are very good cooking. I do. I am. That's like the one thing I take pride in is like my avocado toast and my eggs. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, that's it. I'm good. <laughs> oh, I love that. I but love I, that. I do love like the like delicious content. And I feel like it's really cool that you're behind the scenes of one of like the most popular, I feel like, honestly, social media, especially food, social media accounts. Everybody's got to eat. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Do you get to choose the projects that you work on now? So now that you do have like a bigger resume, are you more selective with what you choose to work on? Oh, you know, no, it, uh, delicious, a very small team. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, we do have a few other, uh, shooters in rotation. Um, and you know, 
I don't get to do as many recipe videos, mm -hmm. so I don't get to eat as much all the time. But then I get sent to Disney World. <laughs> so really, that's to do Iconic nice. Eats. So Iconic Eats is a show starring Tess Komen, who, um, and it, and and the idea of that is is actually kind of funny. Uh, we had been sent out to Disney for like a press trip, and I. I casually said to Tess, I was like, you know, it would be great if we had a, you know, a, a YouTube video pitch out of this. Like, are you going to eat your way through? I think it was Disneyland. Yeah. It was Disneyland. Okay. Um, and she like died halfway through. <laughs> um, but that blew up and then it became a series. So we go to different theme parks and um, eat, you know, and I, I mean, I eat bites. Are you kidding? Yeah. It's, you should go to Epcot and do like the around the world. Oh, girl, we've done that. Oh, you did? Okay. I was like, you know, because they have all the countries. So you get the best. And, and, you know, and I think the other thing is like, you know, while we, while we cover that food, because a, a lot of the thing, the special bit about Delicious is that it's very relatable. It's like, mm -hmm. it's not just for, you know, the connoisseur. I mean, it can be, but I, I think that there's this sort of approachability about the brand that makes it fun. And honestly, when it comes to something like Epcot, even though we're giving our top picks, there's always innovation happening at, you know, Universal right. and, you know, Knott's Berry Farm and they got new items and there's always reasons to go back. And while right. I wouldn't necessarily say that I was like the biggest into theme parks, I mean, I'm a convert now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's so cool that you get to have fun with your job and you seem to like really, really enjoy it too. Like, it's like so a much. fun thing that you like. Yeah. Oh, because like, you know, like I said, it's a small team. So really we're just, we're just all on virtual, you know, like chatting with each other 24 seven and giggling because, you know, we work for a food site. We're not, we're not necessarily changing the world, but everybody's got to eat. So yeah. Yeah. So true. What's been like your pinch me moment in this whole like career journey that you've had have you had one that's just been like oh my god I can't believe I'm doing this uh oh two um well delicious always a pinch me moment when like people yeah. see like they realize later on like they'll discover some of my work in you know in genre because I make like horror movies and, mm -hmm. and things like that and they'll be like oh my gosh, I loved this thing. But did you know that Chelsea also is the, she's like the delish girl. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. <laughs> That's so those are like more, mostly my, my pinch me moments. But um, I think recently I, I, I was just, I've been so excited because, you know, I've really, what the, what's the expression when like, you know, oh, if you have lemons, make lemonade. You know, we're stuck, we're stuck inside for however many weeks and, you know, months. And I've really taken the time to hone in my, my writing craft. And I have a couple big projects on a personal level that are in development and I'm really excited about them. Um, one may or may not be based on Lucy's Tale, which is exciting. I don't, did you, did you get a chance to see that? I haven't seen Lucy's Tale. You like, do you like horror movies? I do. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch it. Yep. Me, um, me and my roommate have been on a kick of watching some scary movies, so okay. I'll watch it. <laughs> I love it. I love body horror, and I love, um, which is what that is. So that is on Alter, and it's, I think it's at like 3.1 million views, but that might be getting adapted into something. I'm not allowed to tell you. But it's, you know, like being able to do these cool projects, and, and like I said, I mean, as a programmer like who's who focuses on short films 
on the side. So like I have these two jobs, right? I'm a senior programmer at Short of the Week and I'm a lead creative video producer at Delish on top mm-hmm. of my personal stuff. But the personal stuff is like starting to really evolve into something exciting. And um, I'm pitching a feature at Frontiers Market, um, which would have been in Montreal, but now is, is um, virtual, um, which is a, it's a feature film. I mean, like that could be something that you get to watch that I've made. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they made announcements on, um, so I was just in the Hollywood Reporter. I mean, like that's a pinch me moment, right? Right. You know? Right. Especially, I mean, going back even to those two years where you had nothing, like that looking in the future, if you could see like where you'd be, like it's crazy. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I mean, but it makes it all worth it. Right. The struggle. Yeah. And it's just a reminder that like you never know what's going to come out of it, but you have to continue to like keep working on your craft. You know, even in quarantine, like you're still writing. Every day. Which is good. I'm still writing. I'm still working. Delicious still going strong. We're still programming. It feels like nothing has changed other than the fact that I haven't put on real pants in yeah. a couple of months. <laughs> I know. Like I'm doing this interview right now in my sports bra. <laughs> like, like, no, like you, you, know. you don't see the bottom half of me. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. And with like everything that you've done, what is something that has been like your absolute favorite thing that like can you choose like one favorite thing that you've worked on? No, it'll make me do that. I know that might be an unfair question. Maybe like um top top three favorite top things three. or no order. Just pick one out of those. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm gonna give you maybe two delish moments and then like maybe like one movie moment. Perfect. Um, okay, <laughs> so uh, the two delish moments are. Going to shooting at Bonefish Grill with Julia because Bonefish Grill. <laughs> um, definitely, we went to uh, Universal Horror Nights for Delish with uh, Tess. This was for Iconic Eats. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to film her as she went through scare zones and just troll her the whole night. And that must we, have been great for you since you love like the horror genre. I, I breathe it. We yeah. went through a haunted house and it was what it was like highlight like I was like my truest self (laughs) that's so funny Um, and then lastly I would say uh this past September I got to work on a short film for Hulu um as part of Huluween um so a bunch of horror content and it was in collaboration with the Sundance Institute so that was really cool to head out to LA and work on a scary project for you know however many weeks and get it out there and I think that sometimes what's really nice about media, even though filmmaking can take, you know, months and months um, to get something turned around quick, it, it's like you just get this high from it, um, right. especially when people, you know, respond. Um, I did a, an AMA on, on our horror right after. I mean, like that was cool. So yeah. Did they ask you to do that? Like, did Reddit contact you or who contacts you for those things? No, I'm a squeaky wheel. I was just <laughs> like, hey, I have this thing. I want people to see it um can you let me (laughs) that's so funny see that's something else that's like just honestly pitch yourself like reach out to people I think that's something else people are so scared to do it's like unless someone comes to them I don't want to annoy them I don't want to reach out and I am like no yeah the worst (laughs) that happens is they just ignore you like that's it it. like and and I think a lot of I mean one of my I did not come up with this and I'm sure you've heard this I'm sure everybody's heard this but 
um, the advice I got, I don't know, however many years ago, I don't know if this is like, just like a thing that people tell you, you are the average of the five people that you hang out with most. Mm -hmm. So you hang out with successful people, you're going to be successful. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, and I, I was drawn to other creators and I wanted to be that person that was like, Oh, I'm going to link you up with this person and this person, you're going to help me with this. And it was just like such a fun thing that suddenly like you're in like a beehive, I want to say. Right. So, yeah, I love that advice though. And like, what's one piece of advice before we go, what's one piece of advice that you would give to someone who is trying to make it in the film industry, who's trying to either learn how to be a screenwriter or create their own short films and, that they have never done that before. Like it's their first thing that they're trying to start. Um, two bits of advice. The first thing that you write, the first thing that you shoot, the first thing you do is not going to be great. And that's mm-hmm. okay because it's part of the learning process. And the other bit of advice, and I think more women need to hear this. Um, don't, it's hard to not be intimidated, especially by the tech. So say like a camera, like, oh, you know, like, I don't understand. Listen, slow down, take a breath. You know, they can wait for you. And mm-hmm. I think, I wish somebody had told me that sooner because I feel like I, I constantly tripped up because I would get nervous and about asking questions. It's okay to ask questions, especially when you're learning something new. So right. don't be yeah. afraid. We're all, we, all, we all have to go through it, you know? Yeah. So. Right. I think your advice is awesome. And you've just kind of shown like that you really can be like hard work really does pay off. And it's not something that you were like super trained in. And this is what you did your whole life. Like it's just practice. Honestly, it it's just like continuing to practice and like work on your craft and what you're good yeah, at. Yeah. And like, you don't need a fancy, I mean, sure. If you get a fancy degree, awesome. Good for you. But you know, you don't Yeah. You just do make, make things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. They, um, Chelsea, where can they find you before we go? Where can they find you social media-wise, follow you? Yes, um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh, my, my name is my name. It's Chelsea Lupkin. So you can just at Chelsea Lupkin. It's the same handle for every place. Um, and my door is always open. So shoot me a line. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you. This was awesome. That was it for today's episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed this conversation with Chelsea. She's just so, so nice. And I'm really happy to have shared this episode. Again, if you guys liked this episode, please be sure to give it five stars on iTunes because that really does help out my podcast. And also join the Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, all of that good stuff. But thank you guys for listening and I'll see you guys next week with another episode of The Real Real Podcast. Hey, my name is Lovan Roomf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then. 
Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the mom room podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood.